This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Welcome back to another episode of the Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Now, as the business of blueberries has grown and evolved over the years, new generations have had to step into the leadership roles. And joining me today are two ladies who have each taken on leadership roles in their respective blueberry operations. One of them on the East Coast, Chelsea Consolo of Consolo Family Farms in New Jersey, and the other on the West Coast, Ellie Norris of Norris Blueberry Farms in Oregon. I'll let each of them describe their respective businesses, but I wanted to bring them on the show to talk about the future of the blueberry industry from the perspective of the next generation of blueberry leaders. Ellie, Chelsea, thank you for joining me on the business of blueberries. Great. Thank you, Casey. It's great to be here. Thanks for having us, Casey. I think we're both very excited to talk about this subject. Well, it's exciting to have you both on. Uh, you know, both of you were parts of different episodes. And so I think to get started, uh, I think our, our listeners will want to know the details about your blueberry business experiences. So I'm going to start with Ellie. Ellie, you were on the show back in episode 19, but that's been a few years ago now. So maybe bring us up to speed. Give us a full introduction to what you're doing there at Norris Blueberry Farms. I am Ellie Norris. I'm a second generation blueberry farmer in Southern Oregon. My dad, Paul Norris, started the farm as a hobby back in the 80s, and we like to say it's a hobby that has gone terribly wrong. <laughs> we now have uh, upwards of 700 acres that we grow and harvest in a packing facility where we pack just our fruit right now, but we are looking at ways to continue expanding our operation. We have our own label, which we're really proud about, and we market under Domex Superfresh Growers for the last four years. I run our packing facility during season, but I am taking over the operation from dad. So just absolutely everything from fields to harvest to marketing to shipping. My hands are in absolutely every bit of it. Greatly involved in the Oregon Blueberry Commission and the USHBC. And it's just been really exciting watching this industry grow from the wild, wild west of you know the 80s and the 90s into what it is today. Excellent. Well, hey, uh, great to have you on the show. We're going to talk a little bit more here. But Chelsea, you've also been on the show, you know, back before in episode 57. So let's get some background there at your work as the executive vice president of Consolo Family Farms. Thanks, Casey. Um, well, my family has been in the farming and produce industry since 1927. I am the fourth generation that's now involved, and we're currently located in the heart of South Jersey, which is the Vineland area, and we have farms in many of the neighboring towns. We currently specialize in not only blueberries, but also citrus, cooking greens, herbs, salad items, and also hard squash. Um, our company is fully vertically integrated, so we're a grower, packer, shipper, importer, um, and we've really built our business based on quality and service. 
my role is really multifaceted, just like Ellie said, super similar. I'm involved in the company in a lot of different departments. I oversee food safety, marketing, PR, farm personnel, farm payroll. I do a lot of the farm stuff in season, really involved um, on our blueberry farm. And I also lead a local soup kitchen. So I feel really indebted to the family business because I've been able to devote a lot of time to that and give back. So that's a really big part of what I do. Sure. And then in terms of other members of your family that are still part of the business, participating in the business. Sure. So my brother and sister are also involved. I have one brother, one sister. Uh, My dad currently runs our operation. His brother, Jeff, is also involved. Um, So there's a lot of us here working. Um, It's great to work with family. Um, I feel really supported by them every day. Awesome. Well, that's great. I I know you all come from multi-generational interest in this business. Uh, you know, I did have a roommate in college who was a dairy farmer. And so, you know, I remember very vividly one time where he told me, he's like, Hey, whatever happens next, don't let me become a dairy farmer. His name was Casey. I said, okay. You know, cause he, he saw that as a natural plan for his life and certainly the experience he had growing up. But did you know from day one that you would end up in the blueberry business? You know, what, if not, what, what brought you back? Did you have that feeling of like, whatever you do, don't let me become a blueberry farmer or in agriculture. What what has that been for you, Ellie? Oh, my. Uh, so I went off to college and studied chemistry and biology and marine biology. So I was going to be the next Jacques Cousteau and be a marine biologist. So I went out into the world and did it for a while and realized that, you know, you don't make any money being a marine biologist. And at that time... I didn't really think about coming back to the blueberry farm. I went out and I worked in outdoor retail management and REI and Arcteryx and got to travel the US and the world a bit doing that. And then one day I woke up when I was living in Puerto Rico and I just wanted to go home and I wanted to go back to the farm. And I bought a plane ticket, rented a pod and put all my stuff in it and Two days later, I was back in the family farm living with mom and dad, and that was 10 years ago. And I've been here full-time ever since. One thing I do appreciate about my dad is he he really enforced us to go to college, go find our own careers. And if we just happened to come back to the farm, then that was great. But there was never any pressure. Excellent. All right. Well, how about you, Chelsea? Did you always know you'd end up in the family business? What was your path? It's interesting hearing her story because it's it's similar. You know, I was never like pressured to, you know, go into the business. But, you know, produce has been in my family forever. I grew up around it. You know, I went off to college and my dream was actually to one day have my own bakery. But I was really like attracted to the idea of being a part of my family's legacy. So my college days were kind of coming to an end. And my dad approached me and he had this opportunity of getting involved. And I was like, you know, I'm going to try it out. And the rest was kind of just history. I just kept getting involved in more and more parts of the business. And early on, I kind of struggled to find my role in the company. And then when I got involved in the blueberry farm is when I really became passionate um, about the business and uh, about the whole company, which is why I'm so passionate about blueberries and why I became so involved um, in like my local council and USHBC, um, because blueberries are really why I found my love for the business. Awesome. Well, I want to keep talking about some of this and more, but first, it's time for our crop report. We continue to receive reports from Peru, Chile, and Mexico throughout this winter season. So here, once again, is your blueberry crop report. 
It's time for your Blueberry Crop Report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today you'll hear from Daniel Bustamante in Peru, Andres Armstrong in Chile, and Mario Ramirez in Mexico. This was recorded on December 21st, 2023. Hello, this is Daniel with a crop report from Peru until the end of week 50 that ran from December 11th to December 17th. Peru has shipped 34% less volume this season until week 50 than the same time period last season, with a total of 364 million pounds of fresh blueberries shipped to the world. The U.S. is still the main destination for Peruvian blueberries, representing 53% of the total shipments so far, followed by Europe with 29%, China with 14%, and other markets account for the remaining 4%. Of the total volume shipped, 11% has been organics. During week 50, Peru shipped a total of 16.3 million pounds, which is an increase of 9% versus last week, but still 8% less than the weekly volume estimate by Perarandanos in November's projections. The US market represented 56% of the shipped volume with 9.2 million pounds. That is an 8% increase in volume versus last week, and should be arriving to a US market by the first week of January. The other markets where Peru shipped blueberries to this week were Europe with 33% of the volume, China with 9%, and other destinations 2%. Prograndanos should be releasing later this week the updated volume projection for the remaining of the season, until week 17 of 2024. We will share this information with USHBC as soon as we get it for better decision-making tools to the industry. This has been the Peruvian Crop Report for week 50. Thank you. Hello, this is Andres Armstrong from the Chilean Blueberry Committee with our crop report of week 15. This is information up to December 17th. The climate variations that Chile has experienced due to the El Nino continue to affect the volume and dynamics of blueberry exports. And as a result, the output volumes are lower than forecasts. A colder spring this season with lower accumulation of degree days is in most regions resulted as a delay in the usual ripening pattern in most cases. The question is whether it is also affected the estimated volume. With the new information available, there is indeed a reduction from the central region to the south with an average of 2.5 less over the, over the last estimates. Therefore, the new estimate shows a total volume of 162 million pounds. This is 4% less compared to the November 11th estimate, and a 16% uh, decrease compared to the total volume on season 22-23. It is expected that volumes would peak at week 52 with 17.6 million pounds. And another aspect to consider is that an extension in the harvest in the southernmost regions is expected ending later than the previous season. During week 49, Chile exported 11.7 million pounds of fresh blueberries, which is 39% less than the same week last season. Until December 17th, the accumulated export of fresh blueberries from Chile is 30.2 million pounds, which is 47% less compared to the same date last season. The main destination market up to week 49 is the US with 42% of the shipments 
followed by Europe with 39% share and Asia with 16. Other markets in the Middle East, Latin America and Canada account for the remaining 3%. The supply of organic blueberries is down by 34% compared to last season with 3.9 million pounds shipped so far, 80% of which have been shipped to the US and the remaining 15% to Europe. This is our report for the week. Thank you very much. Hi everyone, here Mario with the Mexican Blueberries report for week 50 from December 10 to December 16th. During week 50, Mexico exported a total of 1,438,000 pounds of fresh blueberries worldwide. 70,000 pounds were exported to Europe and Asia and the remaining 1,369,000 pounds have destination to North America. This week, Mexico exports good volumes of organic blueberries. 22% of the total volume exported was organic blueberries, around 250,000 tons, mainly with North America destination. The volume grew 25% respecting previous week, but it's still 50% lower comparing with the same week for the previous season. We are seeing the lower volumes per week of the last three seasons, and we have a forecast of around 135 million and 851,000 pounds by the close of the season. But we should have cautions with this forecast due to there is a delay on the season and we are expecting that by the end of the winter and beginning of the spring, the volumes will grow. This week, there are no volumes of frozen blueberries reported and the total volume for all the season is 11 million and 170 thousand pounds. That's all in my report. See you next week. Well, thanks so much to our busy growers and colleagues who take time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the ushbc.org forward slash data to find our data and insight center to see more about what's happening in the blueberry industry. Let's go back now to today's conversation with Chelsea and Ellie. So for the both of you, you know, I know it's not uncommon that when I tell people I'm in the blueberry business, they look at me a little strange and I explain what the council is and my role. And they're like, well, is that like a full-time job? You know, as if it's seasonal. <laughs> I know you guys laugh, you laugh like, you know, but I mean, it's blueberries. Like people just don't think there's a career in it. And have you faced that? I mean, and, and, and I think unless you're in the family business, you wouldn't know going to college that there was even an opportunity for you. So, you know, what has that experience been like for you guys? Oh, that's a hundred percent true. I, I feel like I get that question at least once a week where people ask what I do in the off season when it's not harvest season. And I like, well, run the business. <laughs> There's so much to do all the time. But I think that's what a lot of farmers and ranchers face with this lack of knowledge and awareness around what it is to actually run a farm. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting for me because I have a totally different perspective because we grow other crops. We provide 52 weeks a year, so we bring in crops from other areas. We grow crops in other areas. But just another perspective that I bring is I think I get questions 
you know, similar questions as in, I think people don't realize how much of a full-time job produce is um, and don't really realize what it takes to get crops from the farm to the table and don't realize what's involved. And because we're vertically integrated, we have a hand in all parts of it. And again, I, I think, you know, people don't really realize how much work's involved. So I, I completely agree with you, Casey. And I think there could be a lot more education out there. Yeah. Well, and my son, Caden, he's just getting into FFA at his high school level. And of course, we don't have a farm and we're not part of a ranch, but his high school is providing this opportunity to become a green hand and get into FFA and, and, and participate in agriculture at that level. But it, it's, a, it's a really unique career. But with that, you know, there's a lot of challenges, right, that, that the industry faces, is facing a lot of change that has gone on over the years. So I think I want to just kind of dive into, you know, what are the biggest changes you've seen, Ellie, over the years for the blueberry industry? That's a big question. Um, definitely coming in with my dad when I was a, just a kid, it did feel very wild, wild west. And there weren't a lot of consolidation of ideas and resources. And I remember when my dad was working to help start the Oregon Blueberry Commission and the birth of the USHBC and all these things. And it has changed so much since then because it feels like we're all coming together so much better and sharing knowledge and pushing for more resources. And it feels like we're definitely more part of a team nationwide than it used to. I remember when I first came back, it felt very Oregon and then national. The field is becoming smaller. That has been a vast difference for me. And the the access of knowledge and information on almost a daily level, um, instead of making guesses and using old wives' tales to predict you know, pollination and projections, there's so much more data out there. Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about that technology then, Ellie. You were last on the show and we were talking about tech, specifically optical sorting. You know, tech continues to be a big part of your business. You know, what what other things that you're looking at going forward in terms of changes either that you want to see or that that you're experiencing now that you really appreciate? So we have put in another optical sorter since we've talked last. I think that's going to be a much larger trend for packing houses moving forward is going to ways to reduce labor and overhead and to get a very precise pack. So we will continue to look at optical sorters. We're looking at new packing lines that are more efficient. We are considering getting another top seal for the the packing barn. So moving forward with that type of technology, another thing that is changing on our farm is finding ways to be better with tracking materials, people, time, and money through our business. So we can figure out where we spend our time, where we spend our money, and how to become a lot more efficient. Because I think with the increased material and labor costs, being very mindful of where you spend your money is going to be a big thing for farms of all sizes moving forward. So that's our next big thing that we are going to launch ourselves into, is to become very data-driven. Yeah, I think that is, you know, that's a that's a trend because the technology is becoming increasingly ubiquitous among farmers and availability and those data driven decisions. I like what you said earlier, it's less about the wives tales and and production and more about, you know, 
getting information that helps to inform the next decision that's better than the last one. But Chelsea, what about you? Uh, what are you seeing in terms of tech uh, being a part of the business going forward? Sure. I mean, well, like I mentioned in the last question, you know, I really see labor, it, it changes so much. And because of the fact that we hand harvest all of our fruit, we're very conscientious about the technology we use to, to monitor our labor and payroll. Um, I implemented a payroll system on all of our blueberry farms that uses barcoded trays, Android devices, and employee badges to track our piecework. Um, so I typically am always watching for new innovations in that side of the business, since that's what I'm managing and involved in on a daily basis. Um, but we're also involved in, you know, a lot of the other things, some of the things Ellie mentioned, new way fillers in our packing house, some of the sorting technology. I know we're really interested in a lot of the new varietals, because um, that's some of the things that our customers are looking for. Um, we've implemented some weed control mats, just some alternatives to herbicides. So those are the, some of the things that we're looking at. I want to come back to our conversation about why you're in this business in relationship to the future. You know, what is it that you see ahead in the blueberry industry that, you know, you see as opportunities either for the farm, yourself, the industry? What, what gets you excited about the future ahead? I think as far as the industry, I'm definitely a champion for new leaders, new involvement in the industry. I've started to see some of those new opportunities for young people, you know, especially with the Blueberry Leadership Program in particular being a great example. I think the most important thing is these programs focusing on industry networking, building relationships, um, things like business acumen skills. Anybody in these programs can benefit um, from learning from current industry leaders um, and mentoring is really the biggest priority. Ellie, you were mentioning the Oregon Blueberry Commission, the start there. Um, but let's talk a little bit from your perspective of future opportunities. You know, there in Oregon, in the blueberry industry, you know, for you and your farm, what, what gets you excited about being in the business going forward from here? What gets me excited for specifically our farm and our business is looking forward into the next like 10, 15 years and realizing that we are just on the precipice of potentially something really great and exciting. Like I, our farm is set up in a, in a great way that expansion is our next thing that we're thinking about. Like where, what does that mean for Norris farms? Where do we go? How do we keep growing? Not just for the sake of growing, but growing because it is successful. Uh, my dad has put so much work into getting the farm where it is now and I think we're all excited for it to go into the next hands and the next generations. That's what's getting me excited right now is just spitballing things about the future, what it might look like for Norris down the road. Well, and I think for both East Coast, West Coast, it, does, it doesn't seem to matter you know, where you're at. Everybody's talking about genetics as being a really key piece into you know, the future of attracting consumers to the space. I mean, obviously that gets talked a lot about is, you know, uh, growing a better blueberry. And what's your guys' sense? I mean, feel free to fill in, you know, starting with you, Chelsea, on, on how are you looking at that from a genetic standpoint, you know, growing into the industry, the future of the industry, you know, the conversation about improved genetics, you know, is there, is there anything there that excites you or, or gets you excited? Well, I think, it's definitely something that retailers are asking for now. You know, they're asking for specific varieties. They're asking for 
bigger fruit, specific sizes. You know, we've had people ask us for the pink blueberries. Um, so it's it's definitely something that they're asking for, which means that's something that we need to be looking at. So yeah, I think it's definitely exciting. Um, it's something for us to look into. And, you know, Ellie mentioned her dad. My dad has put so much effort into growing this business for my brother and sister and I to be a part of. And we're very excited to be a part of that and to continue that legacy and things like new varieties and new genetics and things. I think they're things to get excited about and things that we want to participate in. And we want to do what our retailers want us to do so we can put out a good product. Sure. Absolutely. Well, Ellie, how about you? I know we've talked a little bit about genetics uh, recently, um, but what's your sense of that part of the industry uh, that has opportunity in it from your perspective? I think genetics is and continues to be a area opportunity for us. I think that it is incredibly important for our breeders to continue to focus on what is going to be that next great varietal that works really well for a large scale farm. We need to be able to grow it, pick it, pack it, ship it, and retain the firmness, the size, and the flavor that the customers want. A lot of emphasis has been put around, I think, Southern high bush in a lot of ways. And so I'm excited for people to maybe refocus again on Northern high bush and getting some new exciting varieties for the North American blueberry grower. That's what I'm excited for. And that's where I think we need to keep on encouraging our universities and our breeders to just refocus and, and don't forget about us when it comes to genetics and breeding. And so I want to talk a little bit about where we are at as an industry today and get your reaction to it. So, you know, you, you look at the, the current circumstance for blueberries, we find ourselves at about a 49% household penetration. Of those who are eating blueberries, you know, we're about 6.4 pounds a year. And I just bring this up because, you know, part of what we're looking at from a USHBC perspective is certainly the runway ahead. Like, you know, it's amazing when you think about where we're at today against where we could be and attracting that future consumer to the category because there just seems to be so many more people yet to serve either households we haven't served yet or increasing the current purchasers of blueberries to eat more than 6.4 pounds a year. So I wanted to just get your take on, on how you see that, that op opportunity ahead with consumers. I know we say the vision is to make blueberries the world's favorite fruit, but practically speaking, where do you see we, where we're going from here with what's been built so far? And, and how big do you see that opportunity becoming? I think you have a strong opportunity with the consumers who already eat blueberries to gain more traction with those consumers to eat more blueberries and get them more excited about the category. Um, I think a lot of people right now are on social media, looking at recipes, looking at blogs, looking at that type of stuff, and they want to cook with blueberries. Right now it's the holidays. What can we make with blueberries? And I think for me, um, right now, these are the type of things we're doing with our company. And of course, we want to get people who aren't to buy our product, but I think you can 100% increase the consumption on people who are already eating our blueberries by getting them more excited by what do they want to make with it and what, what do they want to do with it and they want to feed their kids more. And I think we totally have an awesome opportunity to do that. Absolutely. How about you, Ellie? What's your, what's your sense of the future opportunity ahead with consumption and consumers? That is a great question. And I loved your answer as well. Um, 
I think that the people who are already eating could always eat more. I mean, you already have a a buyer in hand with that. So now we just got to increase how much they, they pick up a year. I think there is a great opportunity as well as people who are currently not reaching for blueberries every time they go into the supermarket and ways that we can normalize blueberries for them. And it becomes a daily driver instead of a luxury item. And so I've seen great strides with that over the years um, as blueberries have become more accessible to year-round market. And people are just used to seeing it on the shelf now. I think one of our greatest opportunities is really stabilizing quality and standards when it comes to the fruit that is on the shelf. Because I think that is one of the greatest complaints I have heard is people buy one one week and then the next week it's a completely different quality. Not all customers really understand the difference of varieties or flavors, but they can tell a good blueberry from a bad blueberry pretty quickly and that will turn them off really quickly. So I think for us, a good opportunity would be quality across the board as U.S. growers. And then um, same with export as well, making sure that the countries that we are shipping everything to gets good quality and it drives their sales because there's a lot of hungry markets out there around the world that just want more U.S. blueberries. Yeah. Well, and and I know you're an exporter of blueberries in different parts of the world. So maybe maybe you could just share, you know, from your perspective, why you see opportunity in that for U.S. growers. Like, you know, I, I do get questions about the balance of our prioritization at USHBC on why exports or what, why, why are we spending this kind of money in, in our export marketing? Uh, but, but obviously, Canada is a big export market. I mean, I know some of us look at that as the 51st state, but really it's, it's an export market and there's a lot of US blueberries that do go into Canada. But then the, on top of that, you know, we're looking at all these markets around the world constantly. But what, what's the strategy in that for Norris Farms? Like, what is it that you're, you're doing there? And why is that important to you? And why should it be important for, you know, USHBC or for the industry to care about the export business? I, I mean, you know that I feel pretty passionate about export in general. I think that if we continue to open up markets around the world, we're going to open up demand for blueberries and specifically U.S. blueberries. As long as we keep our quality good and we keep the flow going out, you're going to have countries that can absorb quite a bit of volume. And that is good pricing for us. And that's good for, for our market share. There is a great demand for the quality fruit that the U.S. produces into a lot of countries out there. Uh, I just got back from Taiwan and Singapore, and their, their demand and want for our specific fruit was staggering. They want U.S. blueberries. They want U.S. fruits. So there is a huge opportunity for us as long as we just keep pursuing it and keeping those doors open because they're not going to open up on their own. We have to initiate it. And Canada as well is such a powerful export partner for us. And I know, Chelsea, you export quite a bit up there as well. It's, it's staggering to us every year, the percentage of our crop that goes up to Canada for export. Well, and I'm glad we're counting it the way we're counting it today um, because it is important. And uh, Chelsea, I know you guys are also importers of of blueberries from around around the world. So maybe talk a little bit about how how that got started and where you're at today with also being an importer of providing year round fruit. Sure. 
Um, so a big part of our programs is supplying our customers with product year round. So that's really how we got started with importing not only blueberries, but also our citrus, so our mandarins, limes, lemons, and blueberries is, I would say, our biggest item. So the import blueberries is huge for us. And I think, you know, Ellie was kind of mentioning, you know, the quality of the fruit and maintaining that quality from you know, week to week. And I think that's huge with the import fruit is maintaining the quality from region to region. So, you know, when we switch from Peru to Chile to Argentina and, you know, a big part of what we do is we bring everything into our headquarters instead of shipping directly. So we bring everything in to our headquarters in Vineland and we QA everything to make sure the quality is is good before we ship out where I know a lot of other, you know, importers companies they don't do that and I think that's, you know, huge for us. We put something on the shelf or whether it be our blueberries or our vegetables, we want the quality to be good. So, you know, I think that is huge whether somebody's getting a blueberry from Peru or the US or Georgia or Florida or Chile or Argentina the blueberries on the shelf from week to week, the quality should be maintained. So it's, it's really big for us to really ensure that. Excellent. Well, Hey, it's been great to get this next gen perspective on the show today. And, and I think the perspective of women leaders in our industry. So I wanted to take a moment here. Does it feel like more women are stepping into the leadership roles in blueberries? I know in this case for 2020, Three, it was the first year that both the chair of NABC and the chair of USHBC were women. So I just wanted to get your both of your perspective on the leadership role of women in the blueberry industry. I think when I first started, I didn't feel that way. When I first started, I kind of felt like I was one of the only women. I am the only woman on my state blueberry growers association. So with that being said, when I first came into the industry, I always felt that way. I always felt that I was the only woman. But now, you know, it's going on 10 years later, I definitely feel differently. I feel like I've been around more women and also more younger people. And I mentioned that earlier in the podcast. So I've definitely seen a big shift in that. More women, more younger people. And I feel like that shifted the culture a lot in, in a very good way. Excellent. How about you, Ellie? What's your, what's your sense of, of our industries, both encouragement of young, but women leadership positions in the blueberry industry? Uh, I definitely want to echo what uh, Chelsea said about younger people. They seem to be coming out in droves to become involved. And I think that they're seeing these opportunities like with the Blueberry Leadership Program and other young people stepping into these roles are like, oh, I could do that too. This doesn't need to be the old guard versus the new guard. Um, so that's been fun and exciting. And I think with that brings just a change of energy into a group when you have younger people and younger ideas. Uh, as for being a woman, I mean, I've been in agriculture and in, on the farm my whole life. So you're, you're always kind of used to being the only woman in a room. Uh, but it's never been a contentious feeling in the blueberry industry for me. But it is so very nice to see women in roles. And they have been in roles before. I'm not going to pretend that I'm the first one to come into a room. And, you know, but it's just wonderful to see more and more active women. And also, I love seeing daughters taking over family 
businesses in agriculture. Like that just is so exciting for me because there's not a not a lot of us out there, but the few of us are. It feels very exciting and very dynamic. I bet that is great. Well, this has been great. And I really appreciate both of you in the leadership roles you've been representing with both USHBC and NABC and your commitment to the industry effort of encouraging, you know, another generation of expectation for the future of this category. So it's 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 a dependency, you know, kind of an interdependency of all of us working together. Uh, and it's great to be working with people like you. So I do want to thank you for being on the show today and the work you guys are doing uh, alongside so many people, uh, both within our organization and there in your home states. But before I let you go, I just want to ask, is there anything else you want to add? I just want to say thank you to you, Casey, and the work that you've done with the USHBC and NABC. And if anyone listening has any questions that Chelsea and I talked about today, please reach out. I would love to have more open communication with anyone in the industry who has any types of questions regarding our farm or what I do and all that stuff. I'll, I'll echo that. I mean, I agree. Um, open communication. I mean, I've mentioned several times, like I'm such a champion for people getting involved and new leaders. Um, please reach out. And I will also echo the thank you to Casey for everything you do and the thank you to having both of us on the podcast. Well, it's been my pleasure. Uh, I know my team appreciates the both of you as well. So I'll extend uh, the appreciation of our team here who always appreciate when the two of you are jumping in on a project or participating in an event. Uh, you guys bring a lot to that and for your leadership in our meetings. So thank you both for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Okay, that's it for episode 159. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on The Business of Blueberries. Blueberries.